This episode is brought to you by Creative Edge Publicity. Hello, hello, everybody. Kim Langling here, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Thank you so much for spending just a small part of your day with myself and my special guest today, Nzondi. He is an American science fiction and horror author. His novel, Aware Mosaic, won the Bram Stoker Award for Superior Achievement in Young Adult Fiction, the most prestigious award given to horror writers in the world. And he is, now listen to this, folks, this is awesome. He is the first African-American to win in a novel category, including the young adult novel category. Now that is flipping awesome. And we did a virtual high five before I hit the record button because that's just what an amazing honor and achievement to be able to, to be able to receive awesome stuff in Zondi. And thank you so much for joining me today on Let Fear Bounce. Thank you. I am so happy to be on Let Fear Bounce. That means that that title means so much to me in my life. And I'm really, really honored to be here with you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. And now, you know, you just you just literally gave me my first question. Yeah. Why does let fear bounce resonate with you so strongly? You know, because uh, two two reasons. Number one is because I, I write particularly in the horror genre and uh, horror is all true horror is all about fear, exploring fear. And number two, I have you know, travel the path where I have found that the things that have given me most vibrance in life, uh, most illumination in life, most rewards in life were things that I feared, you know, feared doing or fear pursuing. And once I drove through that fear, you know, um, as we said, as we, as, as my eighth grade kids I used to teach would say, you know, once, once we, uh, once they bounced, you know, they, you know, left, got out of there, you know, let, let fear bounce, you know, we were able to really achieve our goals. So I love that title. That's like my favorite title you're right now, let fear bounce. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> now you, you said something and I, I take notes when I'm chatting with people, but you said something, you said that facing your fear, dealing with your yeah. fear brought the most rewards. That's yeah. an interesting way to put it because I've, I've not heard it put that way. I like that. I, so I wrote it down and you should probably write it down too. So you can use it as a tagline. For something. <laughs> <laughs> <We'll do. laughs> Little nugget that you tossed out there. Yeah. But yeah, I like that. You know, you're facing your fears. It brought about the most rewards and you know, it, and it yeah. makes sense. It makes sense. So as a horror writer, I always have, a, I struggle pronouncing that word it always seems like it kept like i'm saying horror you know? me too me too, me too. <laughs> and whenever someone says what i'm like oh i did it you know and then when i say it the right way it sounds like i'm saying something else so all right you write scary books let's <laughs> let's put it that way <laughs> How did you get, how did you get into, I, I am often fascinated and always want to ask people like yourself that write scary books. Yeah. Why did you get into that genre and how does your brain come up with all this scariness? 
there's there's really no one answer for that. I mean, I think it's like in the cosmos. I mean, it depends on what day you're asking that. So today the answer will be, you know, uh, it was a a diaspora a, a of of different experiences in my life, the pain that I've experienced in my life, along with the exposure to a lot of creative movies and films that I used to watch with my father and my sister Carol uh, growing up. I think it, the combination of those two, you know, the pain, you know, uh, so many deaths in my family, so many deaths in my life, you know, and getting through that. Because what I realized is some of my favorite horror authors, see, I feel like I can say the word right now. <laughs> some of my favorite authors. <laughs> Have, have gone through some really dark times, you know, not to sound too psychological, but, you know, there was this thing I studied back in college, what is it, Freud, who talked about the anima, about, you know, uh, people have a feminine and a, a masculine, you know, part of them. And I always believe that those people in entertainment and sports, who have reached in and reached and, and tapped in on the other side of the anima were the most, were the greatest. You know, Michael Jordan with that smooth ballet gracefulness, Mike Tyson with that sensitivity. I, I, they were hurting my kids, you know, <laughs> you know, Madonna with that, you know, that raw, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it can go on and on, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, just on and on, Oprah with that, you know, toughness. I feel like these people reached in and tapped on the other side. And I feel like with horror authors, it's the same kind of thing. We reach in and we tap into that darkness. Songwriters reach in, they tap into that, that heartbreak, you know, that emotion. And once you can tap into that other side of the happiness, you know, the songs that come out, you know, change people's lives and stay with people for the rest of their lives and make people nostalgic and happy for the rest of their lives. And all that happiness came out of someone's darkness. So I kind of think, you know, those two things enable me to, to get into horror. I have horror. found, I you know, it. and I love how you said, because it's not, I've not thought of it that way, the way that you explained it, like that you're tapping into your other side. That makes complete sense. And I'm very visual and I, I always come up with pictures in my head. But I have found, as you were explaining, to the, you know, the different um, celebrity names that you were bringing up. And now as you're talking and I'm thinking about it, every person that's like incredibly creative that I know or have seen in movies or, you know, listen to their music, whatever, they're all this, they all have that, that two side that's Man, very strong can, and they've shared it. it. Is, ooh, it's comedians, Eddie Murphy, that little feminine. And, and, you know, I mean, you could just go on and on and on and yes. on. It's so many. And because yeah. now that you, now that you've mentioned that now, I, you know, it's swirling in my head and it's, creatives because not everyone can be creative yeah. not everyone can tap into that other side because i think that could also bring forth fear for some now mm. for me writing is cathartic to me it's my outlet but i started writing when i started it was about the darkest time of my life boom i've been able to over the years turn that into something different and my whole outset and and I'm I'm a I'm a person of faith I'm a Christian mm -hmm. and I, I call myself a newbie Christian because I didn't come into that until my mid-30s so when that 
changed my life um, for the better. I started to see the world differently, not through my dark lens anymore. I was able mm -hmm. to notice, wow, the beauty over there and that beauty can come from darkness and that there's always light. I just love, love how you explained tapping into the other side because I can sit there and go, oh, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, you know, I it, tapped into my other side and you can yeah. do both of them, put them both together and boom. Wow. You've got like, well, you've got an award winning author. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you. So awesome stuff. I'm enjoying this. This is fun. Um, and I cool. hope you are too. <laughs> yeah. So you explained a little bit how you started writing about that. When, when did you write your first book? Okay, uh, literally or professionally? Well, no, professionally or, or non-professionally? The first book that you wrote that you, 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 know, you put your heart into it and you're like, oh my goodness, I can do something with this. Okay, I was like seven years old when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was trash you know so, <laughs> but for a seven-year-old it might have been brilliant it was uh i did i think i wrote like a king kong versus godzilla comic book and i thought it was the best thing so you've had that stuff going on in your head from the get-go yeah. yeah 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 you've just honed the skill yeah huh. I, you know it took me a while to realize what i was what I, what my purpose was people say you know i've always heard when you when you match your passion up with your purpose you know that's when you, you you find your path and it took me a long time because i knew i i wanted to write i just didn't know write about what so i did i did writing on almost every level of writing that you could think of except maybe perhaps textbook i did that too kind of a little bit you know i did the philosophy writing i did the poetry i did songwriting you know and none of that really resonated with maybe not the universe but none of that really resonated with people to the point that they saw i had a gift in it and i elevated it was only when i started studying writing horror that you know people started resonating and i saw quickly that okay this is the thing but it took a long time to get to that point but I, you know that this is the thing i needed to, to hone my skills in. it took a long time to get to that point because i i've always enjoyed writing but i never you know, I, I went into the military right out of high school. When I got out, I came home, married my high school sweetheart, had a child, you know, years later got divorced, but I was always a mom and working and doing all this other stuff. And so I never let my creative side come out for years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when all of a sudden I found myself as Kim, I wasn't mom and wife anymore because, you know, I was divorced and my daughter was off on her own and she's, you know, living a wonderful life. And I was like, oh, why don't I start? Why don't I do this? Why don't I try this? And God put the right person in my path and said, hey, I'm doing an anthology. Do you want to submit a chapter for awesome. it? Awesome. And that's how it started years ago was being part in an anthology, sharing that was my dark story. And yeah. um, but from there, I've been able to. I turn more to I've been become I've been able to become more creative. So it's not all nonfiction. I have a, a, an amazing little fiction book that I want to write. And it's all about a realm. It's this magical realm 
where mm. the queen and all of her critters and all of the wood sprites all live together in harmony. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it all has to do with my dog. So, but uh, wait, that's my wait, 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 with your what? Your dog? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 live with P I live with PTSD. So my dog, mm. it, the one that I had before, I had to say goodbye to him a couple of years ago, but mm. his name was Digger. He was able to acknowledge and notice things in me before I did. So he could settle me and keep me, you know, settled. So uh, I talked to him a lot. We were very, very in tune for a human and a dog. And that's when all these stories started happening. I, I shared them on Facebook and he got a following. People were like, what's Digger going to say next? And I'm going, you do know wow. it's me writing that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've kept all those stories. I did them for the last six years of his life. And yeah. I kept all of them. So I have it written. I just have to put it together the right way without right. <laughs> Love yeah. it, love it. You are, I know you mentioned poetry. I want to get back to that if we, if we don't run out of time. So yeah. you're an author, but also off mic, we were chatting about another job that you have that I find fascinating. And most people don't have that type of job. You are yeah. a high level stand in in the movie. Yeah. yeah. The TV and film industry. Yeah. Yeah. TV film industry. So explain a little bit to the listeners what a high level uh, stand in is. <laughs> you know, uh, you say high level and it, it does, it definitely resonates with me. Uh, the last job that I just finished working on, we just wrapped the season and it was called Bel Air and it's the reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, we just finished that. And it's uh, it's a drama, it's not a comedy. And the cast and crew are phenomenal. Jabari Banks plays the young Will Smith and uh, they're just a really, really incredible, incredible cast. Anyway. I think when I, yeah, it was our last day of work. Two people came to me. The, the A camera, A, there's like A, B, C camera. The A camera is the number one camera guy. Most of his shots are used, you know, and then they, uh, depending on what type of show it is, but on a, on a multi-camera show, you know, they may use all three cameras or all, all, both cameras, but on a, a one a single camera show, usually most of it is just the A camera guy. He's like the most important camera guy. Anyway, he said to me, you are, the best stand-in that I've ever worked with, you know, and that meant a lot to me, you know, because I'm sure he worked with hundreds, you know, in the, in the span of his career, you know, and then another, uh, uh, someone else, I can't remember who it was, told me that the sound guy said the same thing, because I worked in sound too a lot, you know, um, and he said, uh, you know, there were two guys that were the best in this entire industry that he's ever worked with. I was one of them, and the other guy was this guy named Jim Lindsay. Now, Jim Lindsay is the best stand-in on the planet Earth. He was made to stand in. So for him to say my name in the same breath as Jim Lindsay was just like, oh, my God. So anyway, so that made me feel like, yeah, okay, they appreciate what, what I bring to the table. Now, what a stand-in is, I always explain that it's kind of like a stuntman, except I don't do the stunts, which is kind of funny because I have done a, a quite a few stunts as well. Uh, when I worked on... Uh, if you see the, the, the hat, they can't see. Okay, this is this is podcast. I worked on a show called The Book of Bubba Fett, which is a Star Wars show. And uh, I did a few different uh, stunts where we were fighting with the lightsaber. And it was, it was the most incredible I've ever, it was just incredible. 
And um, after we finished one rehearsal, after we finished, Bryce Dallas Howard ran to us. Uh, me and the other guy that we were, I was fighting with, a guy named Steven. She said, oh, my God, you guys did it just like, oh, my God, you guys are all right. You did it just like the stunt guys. You know, and we were, you know, it's because we, you know, were falling on the ground and spinning. And, you know, we were doing the actual lightsaber fight. And it was incredible. So basically what I do is um, we get the sides every morning. Sides are, 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 are the scenes, are the script for the scenes of that day. We get the sides every morning and I memorize them before each scene. So I have literally five to 10 minutes to memorize them. And then we go in and we set up the scene before the actors do it so that the cameraman and the lighting can get it all perfect before the actor comes in and does it. Otherwise, the actor would have to do that and it would be hours and hours and they'd be pulled out and they wouldn't really be able to do that scene effectively. So we go in and do that and set it all up. And sometimes the camera sees this problem from this angle and they switch the angles and switch the movements and switch the positions of the actors so they get it right and then the actors come in. And so then in TV, you know, I work, I work with the actors you know, very, you know, I worked a lot with the actors, so I'll be able to communicate with them. Hey, they changed this. They're doing this. They're doing that on, on TV. That's uh, that's not live on live TV. Like I've done the voice. I've stood in for Pharrell. I've done MTV awards, stuff like that. I've done the Oscars. I stood in for Chris Rock on those kind of um, shows, the live TV. We don't really interact with the actors a lot. There's no you know, as a matter of fact, if we tell them, hey, they're changing mark, they're standing here, they look at us like we're crazy because they're not used to talking to the stand-in, you know. But in TV where it's recorded, pre-recorded, that kind of thing, you know, we work very much with the uh, with the actors. So we get we get a chance to build us a really great rapport with the actors. I mean, I worked on a show called How to Get Away with Murder, and I stood in with Alfie Enoch for a few years before they killed him off. We got to be so cool. When I went to London, you know, I hung out with him. I went to his play. See, Red, it was phenomenal. I went to one of his cricket matches. You know, we went to go get pizza. We hung out. That's how cool we got when we were working on how to get away with murder. Uh, so, yeah. So that's what a stand-in does. Um, and I go all the way. Like, if it's a scene where, like, on, 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 on Bel Air, uh, there was a scene where, you know, Will Smith was dancing. And he went from, I mean, it was like a good 25 feet worth of dancing. My 55 year behind was out there dancing, you know, and I couldn't dance corny. I had to give it all I got, you know. And uh, the usual stand there wouldn't do that. They would dance the way I dance. They would just kind of walk it, you know, they wouldn't do that. So yeah, that's what You're I You're out there breaking it out. <laughs> breaking it out. Oh my God. You know, they wanted to do it two or three times. I'm like, you saw my moves the first time. You know, did it like, <laughs> you know. My 50 year old butt can't do it two or three times. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, but it was fun. You know, I did. So yeah, that's the kind of stuff. How does one become a stand in? <laughs> I said, you know what? Uh, I was referred. Um, I did a job. When I first started, you know, I really didn't know what the industry was about, but I quit. <laughs> I quit my nearly six-figure job as an associate director of education for the Children Learning Center, where I pretty much did everything for that center in Northridge. I quit that because it was the hole in my heart. And one of my good friends who sings for the group Loose Ends, her name's Jane Eugene, the singer for Loose Ends, a really incredible, popular 
British group in the 80s and 90s, late 80s and early 90s. She told me, you know, you got to pursue your dreams. Like, I could tell it's eating you up. And it was. It was just eating me up. I was sad. I was depressed at that time. And, you know, well, I started doing film for a while. And at first, I did this thing called background, which I hate. Oh, I hate background. Oh, my God, I hate background. Ah. No, 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 nothing against people who do, who do that. But, you know, after having 50-something jobs, they come up with this high criteria of skill sets and then they do background. I hated it. But I started doing background. I was on a show called Zeke and Luther, and I was a, uh, a uh, what do you call those guys? Secret Service guy. I played a Secret Service guy for one of the guys, Zeke and Luther. One, I can't remember what the scene was. A long time ago, a Disney show. And the director and the AD loved me. I love my professionalism, um, everything about me so much. They gave me what you call a bump, so they gave me extra money. And uh, about a year later, uh, I got booked to stand in for Damon Wayans Jr. on a show called Happy Endings. And I had no idea who referred me until I ended that show and I asked her. She said, oh, yeah, that was me. Because you did so well, you know, doing the BG thing, background thing on Zeke and Luther. I thought you'd be great as a stand-in. And so that kind of launched my career as a stand-in. It was a referral. All right. So you do both now. You write and you and you do the stand-in. And you live, you've got two homes basically that you bounce between on the West Coast, yep. East Coast. Yeah. What do you do more of? The stand-in stuff or I, the writing? Can I rephrase that question? I'm going to answer that question this way. Okay. I'm starting to reach my accolades bit by bit. I had no idea I was going to win the biggest award in, in horror, you know, um, but I've, I've, I've reached that accolade, but I still have many more accolades. New York Times bestseller, you know, uh, printed in 30 different languages, you know, so these are different accolades. So I look at those accolades as, let's say, uh, a mountaintop, okay, a mountaintop or, you know, an apex, the apex. And not meaning that that's once I reach there, that's all I have to do. It's like it just the apex continues to grow when you each time you reach a level. And I look at standing in as the steps that I'm taking. Each step, you know, helps me get closer to my apex because the standing in provides me the the, the financial freedom, the financial stability, and the flexible freedom that I need to write because. Anyone who's worked with me knows that on our downtime, which is like every 10 minutes. So they shoot a scene for five minutes, then we're back on. We come back off, they shoot a scene for five, 10 minutes, then we're back on. So those five or 10 minutes, most people who've worked with me know that I'm going back to my iPad and I'm sitting down writing, you know? And when I say flexible, for most shows, I don't always come in every day at seven in the morning. Bel Air kind of did, because I stood in for the Will Smith character. But for most shows, I might come in at seven. Then I might come in at nine. Sometimes I come in at one. Sometimes I come in at four, you know. And sometimes it's a 12-hour day. Sometimes it's a one-hour day. Sometimes it's a two-hour day. We get paid for eight-hour days, no matter what. And that flexibility allows me to take my butt to the library and shell out five, six hours of work, you know. Or sometimes, like in Star Wars last year, you know, usually I'd get there about, you know, around six or seven in the morning and write for about two hours before it's time to go to work. I sit in the parking lot and write. So it gave me that flexibility to do that. So which one do I do more right now? I probably would say, I don't know, actually, because I do do a lot of writing, but I would say probably standing in more right now um, because it's just, it's giving me the, the chance to get, you know, to the place where writing is full time, which is the goal. 100% writing, but I still, as most writers that I know, 
you know, the financial part of it is very, very difficult. A lot of writers I know are award-winning writers and they're still teaching or professors. So I'm trying to get to that level where it's just, that's all I'm doing full-time writing. And it's a good goal. That's one of mine. <laughs> yeah. That's one of mine too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you have to do all these other things, you know, just yeah. like you mentioned, because I, I'm doing other things. I do editing for, for people, for their books or for their short mm -hmm. stories. So that, you know, I, I have these little side gigs that I do. And then my podcast, I like doing my podcast, you know. Those are so, steps. That's right. I just, all my little steps, you know, I had my yeah. foundation built and now I'm just, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, my, my journey might look like turtle's pace to someone else, but I'm still moving forward. You know, and, and your journey, look at your journey compared to people who we really only see the success. You know, we don't see like, who was it? Michael Jordan? No, not Michael Jordan. I can't remember who it was, basketball player. He was like, I've been doing this since I was 15. Oh, no, no. Denzel Washington. He's like, Denzel's like, I've been doing this since I was 15. But I really didn't start making money, real money, till my 40s. I'm like, uh, 16. So yeah, I was like, I'm like, yeah, it was 34 years, 34 years. Yeah. And then boom, hey, look at him. he's a great this guy. He's an overnight success. Years. Yeah, yeah, no, it was 34 years. Yeah, people don't realize, time. yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. It's like, you know, they've been busting their tails, living on ramen noodles for years and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know, there no, there is no such thing as an overnight success. There's 10, 20, 30 years of really hard work behind that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't mind the work. I'm a hard worker. I've always been a hard worker. I don't mind it because at the end of the day, as long as I know that I did my best, and I hurt no one in the process, then that's a good day. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. This has been awesome. I have so much other stuff that I could ask you, but we're running out of time. This has been fun. I definitely want to have you on again, because like I said, I have another, a lot of other questions and stuff that we didn't even get into that I know that my listeners would really enjoy. But I want like, to I, like, 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 like you told me that, to remind you that I, I wanted to be a preacher at one time. Yes. Now, see, why'd you bring it up? Because I don't. We don't have time. <laughs> uh, yeah, very quickly, he wanted to be a preacher at one time, and that fascinated me. Um, but you know what? That's going to be our cliffhanger. Boom. Boom. Mic dun, drop dun, on that dun. one. That'll be our cliffhanger. Mic drop. We will. That'll be our cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this has been awesome. I've truly enjoyed spending time with you today, Nzandi, and I can't wait to talk to you again. And where, right. share right now, where can folks find you? Do you have a presence online that my listeners can go and check your stuff out, check your books out, whatever it is? People are really savvy nowadays, you know? So, I mean, not to sound vain, but all you have to do is Google me. If you just Google N-Z-O-N-D-I, you know, there's pages and pages and pages of interviews that I've done, podcasts that I've done, and my books. So N-Z-O-N-D-I, just Google that, uh, or pop it in Yahoo, or Bing, or whatever search, you know, engine that you have, and pop it in that. And if you don't, if you see other Nzondis, which you probably won't, but if you see other Nzondis, then just tag author behind that, and uh, it'll pop up. And okay. 
Well, and I'm going to do the same thing because I will list stuff where I find it. I'm, that'll all be in the show notes as well, folks, for, for you folks that uh, want to read up on this, some of the stuff before you listen in. But Inzandi, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. I've truly enjoyed myself and we will talk again soon. So be well, stay well and be blessed. Thank you. You too.